0: It's day five of Streak Week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and we've reached episode 160, where our guest will be Jeremy Lance. And Jeremy and I have worked together a bunch, actually, in our careers, and I definitely enjoyed interviewing him on this episode. Just a reminder, Streak Week continues. We'll have three more episodes after this one, and then we'll release them back at a fairly normal schedule maybe if you like streak week let me know on Sunday pod or the Lee W Mallon on Twitter and maybe this will be a yearly thing I don't know but here's Jeremy Lance on episode 160 of the Cincinnati Dayton sports podcast It's episode 160 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, where our special guest is Jeremy Lance, a commissioner with Gotham Soccer, sideline reporter for high school football on WMOH, half of the Wrong Side of the Pond podcast, soccer play-by-play gun for hire, and former public relations director and play-by-play voice with the Cincinnati Saints and Dayton Dynamo. We're talking local sports broadcasting and more on episode 160. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and northern Kentucky, from eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. On the phone we have Jeremy Lance. Jeremy, how are you? Lee, I'm doing great. It's great to hear from you. How's everything during this uh, quarantine for you?
1: Uh, it's, you know, it's different. I think like most people, we're kind of, you know, in (laughs) uncharted waters.
0: It certainly is different. So, Jeremy, you do a lot of great stuff. You're a commissioner with Gotham Soccer. You are a sideline reporter for high school football on WMOH and also half of the wrong side of the podcast or wrong side of the pod and also a very good soccer play-by-play guy.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's,
0: that's the resume. And also we worked together when the Dayton Dynamo were – up here in montgomery county and you were with the cincinnati saints before that move too Uh, that's correct so let's begin where are you from
1: uh that is always I, i always uh laugh about that one that's kind of a bit of a loaded question because i've moved so much so uh i i you know i was born in the chicago area wheaton illinois um i moved to Milwaukee when I was like three, lived there for a good bit of childhood. Mm-hmm. Um but by and large have spent most of my life in Cincinnati and mainly yeah, you know, I grew up in like the Westchester area, went to Lakota East High School. Um but yeah kind of just always been in southwest Ohio for the most part since about the mid nineties.
0: Can you remember a lot of your stops before getting to Westchester?
1: Um. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I remember Milwaukee. I have really no memories of living in Chicago or anything.
0: Fair enough. So when did you decide that you wanted to become a broadcaster?
1: You know, I think, I think there's a few factors that played it. I, I always wanted to be the center of attention. I always wanted to be the one that everybody was watching when we were, you know, even just as a family hanging out in the living room. Uh, I always wanted to be putting on a show and, and doing stuff, whether I was, you know, making up a song or pretending to be some character that I invented, uh, you know, even back in middle school and grade school, I had like one of those, I don't know if you remember those talk boys that you got, uh, they were famous in Home Alone.
2: Um,
1: I had, I had one of those and I would literally make my own radio shows with those in my bedroom. Um, so I mean, I, I would do stuff like that at a pretty early age, which is kind of a weird thing for a kid to be doing, but that was, that was me. Um, I was also, like, I was obsessed with David Letterman, uh, Mm. even back when I was like in, in elementary school, uh, you know, so I was always interested in that kind of talking head, that performer. Um, so always wanted to do that. I was also a kid that, like most people that grew up in the '90s, I watched Sports Center and all that stuff uh, religiously growing up. So obviously, sports broadcasting was always kind of like this super cool thing to do. Like that's what all the cool guys did. Is they were they were on Sports Center, you know, Kenny Mayne and all those guys. Um, so yeah, that was that was probably part of it. I, I and I think radio was always that thing that I was a big fan of, um, even as a little kid. I would. I still, to this day, I can't sleep with just no noise, so I, I have to listen to a podcast or something now. Back then, I would have a radio and I would listen to, you know, a Reds game late at night uh, as I was falling asleep as a kid. Or I would listen to just random talk, you know, sports talk shows or other talk shows um, and became obsessed with a lot of those. I was someone who grew up uh, listening to, like, guys like Jim Rome Uh, Dan Patrick Um, you know I even listened to there's a guy that does not a sports show but just an amazing radio show named Phil Hendry who was syndicated all across the US and he would literally make up his own guests and characters that would call into the show so I was just always in love with radio Mm -hmm. Um, so that was always one of the things I always wanted to do is get involved in that.
0: Do you remember any of your radio shows back on the you said talk back, right?
1: Yeah. I'm a little talk. I'm a little talk boy player. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I, I had a persona that I would, and my parents still, but they were just in town this past weekend and they always, uh, won't miss a, a chance to make fun of the goofy things I did as a kid. <laughs> and, uh, and I had a persona and the character's name was Dave Budapest. Dave, And Budapest. that was my on air persona. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know i was thinking um, originally the talkboy didn't come to mind you know those little uh, recorders like the Yakbacks? that's what i was originally thinking of like oh yeah
1: i I've... yeah where you could just see like a few seconds and then like hit the button and it would just keep playing it back as many times as you want
0: yeah i, I don't know why i thought that was what you were talking about but i remember the big uh, cassette recorders um, i have yeah
1: yeah the little talkboy that i think it was it was home alone too wasn't it that yes it was that yes. kevin used yeah
0: he got a large pizza from that and I was thinking yeah you know you had a radio show and all I did on mine was just make fart noises and just play them backwards all the time
1: <laughs> I I mean different different talents right you know <laughs> everyone's got their own flavor
2: <laughs>
0: exactly so when was your first big break when you decided that you wanted to be a broadcaster and you got your first shot what was it
1: um you, you know I mean there was it was obviously where where you and I met. We met in in college uh, back at Wright State mm-hmm. uh, on the campus radio station. There, that was kind of the first taste of like actually getting to do radio. Um, so that that was probably the first one. I think before that, you know, in high school, I got to do. I was on the morning announcements where we had like a video morning announcements, and and you, you were really supposed to just kind of say like, you know, hey, there's a there's a meeting for you know the the this club you know on Tuesday at 4 p.m. and I, that's all it was supposed to be. And luckily, I had like a, a teacher who was pretty cool, and he let us kind of do some some goofy things with it and kind of kind of ham it up and, and have fun with it. So I, I, I love doing that, and that was kind of one of the first things I got to do. Um, and then obviously at right state doing the radio and then and then after that, um, you know after that I went, I went to uh, I went to the broadcasting school uh, here in Cincinnati mm-hmm. And from there, one of the first breaks I got was uh, an internship opportunity to uh, become a sports stringer. so it a stringer in, is kind of a in- industry term, I guess, but it really just means like a freelance reporter. So I would go, and I would go to uh, a Reds game, and I would sit in the press box and kind of just hang out there and call in score updates. And then at the end, I would go around and get audio of uh, you know players and managers, and then I would just cut it up and send it off to the company that you work for, and then they would send it off to all the people within that network all the radio stations within that network so that they could use it so that was like the first break i stumbled upon that a a guy who was teaching at the school um was doing that himself but he his schedule got a little busy so he couldn't do all the games so i started kind of picking up slack for him Mm -hmm. um and that was kind of yeah that was one of the big ones
0: do you remember when your first play-by-play broadcasting break was Um, I'm trying to think you know
1: I I remember what you and I did like I think a baseball game or two together at one point in time in in college Um, and I think before that I did a few things in high school I'm trying to remember what they were Um, but I think play-by-play honestly my first time really just being the play-by-play guy was for the Cincinnati Saints I was You know, I had a little bit of experience of doing some stuff in college and in high school that was kind of minor and only, you know, had maybe a pretty limited experience in it. Uh, But I had already started the Wrong Side of the Pond podcast and we had the owner of the Saints on and they were kind of making their big announcement that they were going to be heading up to the NTSL and they were trying to make a real run at it of making it a viable product in the Cincinnati market. And one of the things they wanted to do was have their games on public access so that people could watch it and stream it online and they needed a play by play team. And so I kind of, you know, kind of just threw my name out there and, and without really going like, Oh yeah, I, I definitely know what I'm doing. Um, and they kind of just gave me a shot to run with it. And uh, my, my uh, podcast partner, who is the uh, DJ Switzer, who's a former uh, collegiate soccer player, kind of, was able to, you know, jump in and become a, a pretty decent uh, uh, commentator since he knew the game very well. And it was it was a pretty natural transition. But, yeah, it really just came from, like, just going, like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And they're like, oh, you can? I was like, um, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll find out.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, I, I was glad we were able to work in college radio, but there's one regret. Well, actually two. Um, but the one was we never got to call a hockey game together.
1: No, we did. Was, now – Remember, I'm trying to remember right. The hockey was—did that just start, or that we were just trying to get that? The station was just trying to get that done, where they could actually do that, right? Because I remember we had some limitations as far as like what we could broadcast. Because we just didn't—they just the we couldn't get the equipment and a line run out to like half the fields at the school.
0: Yeah. Um, well. The long story short is we had to use um, a flip jack and we had to use a cell phone to connect it. So that's in the days of the uh, flip phones and everything. So the sound quality was a bit poop. But uh, we were yeah, finally
1: I, to- I think I remember that with, with soccer too, right? Like the, I want to say the first year out of that right state, they didn't have the capability for us to go out to the soccer field and actually call those games either. Yeah. It was basically just baseball
0: my first year as sports director we did Fairborn football and then the second year I said let's do soccer and I found out there is a phone line at Alumni Field's old press (laughs) box so we uh we had to sit on top of the uh you know we should have done soccer too now that I think about it but yeah we had to sit on top of the old press box because the old one you could fit like two people the new one is beautiful it's nice you could fit like a bunch of people. Like, three! No, uh, you can fit more than three, but it's uh, it's a beautiful new press box, but yeah, that's what we had to do. Uh, we would need a simple phone line, and I remember trying it out at Kettering, and they gave me, oh, I think they gave me a VoIP line, and it doesn't work with the old Zircom. Yeah. Rest in peace, that old thing. But, uh, sure. yeah, we had to use cell phone technology to broadcast Raider hockey, and I remember I was so terrible at it. Um, <laughs> I actually talked about this little second to last interview I had. Uh, someone had to give me a rule book for it, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I, I went one time uh, when the – I'm trying to think. It wasn't the Dayton – It was. I think it was the Dayton Bomber's. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were there, that I think they were there for maybe one year, while we were at Wright State, and I think they eventually folded, you know, like most of those teams end up doing. Um, but I want to say that the guy, and he works in Dayton now. I believe it is, is it is it uh, JT uh, Zaba.
0: Yes, he was. Uh, he's actually a guest um, on my podcast. I recorded his interview last night and uh oh, okay yeah so he he, he was the play-by-play guy for the bomber
2: yes
1: and he actually i i kind of connected with him and he invited me over to i think it was actually when they were playing against the cyclones mm. and he invited me to like come and like kind of sit in for a period with them and i did and it was like the most nerve-wracking thing ever because it's like oh okay i grew up playing hockey. <laughs> I know this game, and then just it's just it's just moving so fast, and you're just like ah.
0: <laughs> Were you on the uh, fourth floor of the Nunder Center?
1: Uh, no, it was actually it was uh, it was an away game, so it was actually at U.S. Uh, Bank Arena, okay, or whatever they're calling it now. Uh,
0: I think, uh, well, it's Heritage Bank, but I think yesterday I was about to call it Hickory Banks. Like, whoa, where'd that come from? <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, Heritage Bank, a bank that's yeah. so famous that no one in Cincinnati has actually heard of it. Do they
0: actually have a branch in Cincinnati, or am I I, I,
1: I hope so. They have a <laughs> stadium in Cincinnati now, so you might want to, you know, maybe open up a couple shops there, guys.
0: Oh, uh, nah, we have the name. That's good enough. But anyway, I mean, that's that's a lot of great memories. And uh, let's go to the Cincinnati Saints. Um, you mentioned uh, Wrong Side of the Pod with DJ uh, Schweitzer, right? Yeah, Switzer. Oh, um He played uh, collegiate soccer at Ohio Northern with the Polar Bears, and you two have uh, a long uh, ten-year podcast. It was it seven seasons, something like that.
1: Yeah, we. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was uh, 2013 is when we started. So yeah.
0: I thought it was a lot older than that. I don't know why I did, but um, yeah, it's a great podcast for those that love soccer. I definitely recommend giving DJ and Jeremy's podcast a look-see and, you know, give them a link after, you know, all is said and done. But what is it like to have a, not only a long tenure podcast, but like a media company that helps grow the game of soccer in Southwest Ohio?
1: Yeah, you know, so... The, the Wrong Side of the Pond kind of brand was, started out as, like, just a blog that DJ started up because um, he he had just finished college and he kind of got a real-world job and he was living in a different – he was living in uh, Kentucky away from most of the people he knew, and so he didn't have anyone to, like, talk about soccer with. So he was like, well, I'll just start a blog. So he started that, and then a couple of years later I run into him at the weirdest thing, I don't know if you remember this. It, it's, you almost say it out loud to people, and they're like, "I don't think that actually happened." Mm-hmm. Uh, Wigan Athletics had just won the FA Cup in England, mm-hmm. and they were doing a U.S. tour. And for some reason that I don't even think they fully understood, they agreed to play the Dayton Dynamo at Piqua High School's old stadium. Yeah, where the grass there. was. Probably a foot tall, <laughs> and and, um, and so DJ and I were one of like the two, one of the few media people. Um, I think I think the Dayton Daily News uh, sent like a photographer, and then I was there for WMOH because I was like, well, I got to get press pass for this because this is insane that you know this team that just won you know just de- defeated Manchester City. Uh, and, and won the FA Cup in England, is going to be playing at Piqua High School's old stadium. I was like, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard of, so I'm going to go and try to get a pass to this. So I did and ended up covering it, and DJ was really the only other media person that I saw there. And so we, we had, I think, talked maybe one or two times online and, and um, finally just met in person. And from there, we were like, hey, let's you know, let's do something we both want to talk about soccer. That's both our passion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's, what if we did a podcast off of the blog that you already had? Um, so actually originally we were going to do a radio show. I was working for uh, a, a short lived radio station called FM 100, the fan in Cincinnati Yeah. Um, where I was a producer there and then did some weekend hosting and, and we had just had this big meeting about like, Hey, we want to do a lot of local content on the weekends. You know, a lot of times during the year, we don't have a whole lot of stuff we're playing. We haven't got a bunch of contracts as far as being like the, the flagship station of any teams. So let's just do a lot of local programming. You know, anyone can do it. And so I I pitched the whole thing. I was like, Hey, let's, what about a soccer show? And I remember, uh, uh, David Harris, our, our, uh, production or a program director was like, I love it. Let's do it. The like, hockey is the next big thing. And that's going to happen in this country. Let's or, uh, soccer is and let's, let's go after it. And so I, I go tell DJ, I was like, Hey, we're going to do a radio show. This is going to be awesome. Uh, we'll do it on like Saturday mornings. We can literally do it like right after the, you know, games generally are on like 10 AM kind of the main window that matches are on on Saturday mornings. So I was like, we'll just go on right after the 10 a.m. matches and talk about like Premier League and talk about all, you know, talk about soccer here locally. It'll be so awesome. Like two weeks later, I'm leaving Bengals training camp and get pulled into a teleconference meeting with everybody in the company. And they're like, hey, uh, you're all fired. We're going back to an oldies station. And so I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm not doing that radio show anymore. So then I was like, hey, let's just do a podcast. We've been, yeah, it was 2013 is when we started. And uh, yeah, we've been going strong ever since. And it's, it's fun to, you know, do something, talk about something you love on a weekly basis. Like for us, half of it is just us getting together and having a beer and talking about soccer and just turning mics on at the same time.
0: I do miss uh, 100.3 FM when it was sports and uh, Jeff Pecora was also on that station too, wasn't he? Yeah.
1: He, so he would come on and do a bunch of red stuff. Um, so Jeff and I actually, we, and, and, a, and a friend of mine, Ricky Chino, who works still at uh 700 WLW, mm-hmm. we were supposed to have this radio show, the afternoon drive show together. And on um, uh real talk, 1160. And that, that bombed out after I think three months because I stopped showing up because they stopped paying everybody, mm. um, and then Rick was just still there, and then it was red in the middle of red season, so like Jeff was like on the road the whole time, so it dissolved pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it, it Jeff Jeff was there. Uh, 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 Richard Skinner had like the afternoon show, and it, it was it was a really good you know concept for a radio station, but. The corporate heads, I guess, didn't see you know the money getting, you know getting made or the ratings going up fast enough, so they just pulled the plug after like I think it was only around for like eight months.
0: It was a shame too. I mean, hey, more sports stations the better, and I wish we had uh, you know sports stations up here in Dayton. But yeah, because I mean, I mean, well, I mean, even in Cincinnati, like
1: being a bigger market, you have you really just have one actual sports station that has local content. You just have 1530 to 1360. is just syndicated stuff all day. Mm-hmm. And then 700 is, you know, is primarily a news station and just does reds. And then, you know, Ken brew has his weekend show and there's a few little smattering of things, but there, there hasn't been in such a long time in this city, like an actual sports station that you have in a, most big cities where you have a lineup from 6. AM to 6 p.m. of just local content
0: and that's a shame i mean that's kind of why i started this podcast because there's great sports and yeah i i I think the situation's a little better in cincinnati but at the same time just i feel like you know cincinnati dating sports just you know there could be a lot more love for it so
1: yeah i mean there's there's plenty of people that like sports and and want to talk about it and want to listen to stuff and and the few shows that do, you know, the Lance McAllister, and Mo Eggers, like, those guys get what I believe is pretty good ratings because they're literally one of the few outlets, in, you know, here in Cincinnati.
0: And I like listening to both of them. And, yeah, exactly. It's just, I don't know. That's another topic for another day. I could, uh, <laughs> I could go on on that. But let's wind back to the Cincinnati Saints. What was your first year like? with the team and what was the first season like with the Saints?
1: Um you know the first season you know, for me was awesome like I'm working for the soccer team I'm helping run their media relations I'm doing their uh you know their play-by-play which like doing soccer play-by-play I I always wanted to do something like that and getting that opportunity was so cool um and, and I you know it was it was like a perfect setup where I I get paired up with a guy I've already been doing a podcast with for a couple of years. So it was just a very easy transition. Um, it was a great organization that had a lot of great ideas mm. and was really passionate about trying to make soccer um, happen at a professional level in Cincinnati. Mm. And so from that standpoint, it was awesome. Obviously on field um, the team's, the team was not good. Uh, luckily, they're, they're, the few wins they have did come at home, which were the games that we broadcast. So, as far as I had to interact with, it was it was more wins than losses, but uh, a rough season. Um, and, and so, the first year was was pretty cool. You know, the big thing for me is is from that media relations standpoint. Like, I was trying to like tell people, like, please care about us, please follow soccer, and. It's really cool uh, that, like, the guy that is now the, the beat reporter for FC Cincinnati for the Enquirer, Pat Brennan, mm-hmm. he, you know, he was one of those few people that actually reached back out and was like definitely wanting to try to cover uh, cover the team at the time. Like, saw saw a need for it, saw a passion for it. Um, so it's it cool to do that, you know. Also, like. You know, when I was working at the Saints uh, that second year, um, you know, the, the intern I hired for the year to kind of help me out and help some other stuff out kind of on the communication side is Charlie Hatch, who now is – he works for FC Cincinnati and is in their communications department and has his own podcast, the, the official team podcast, and uh, does all, all sorts of cool stuff. So it's cool to see, like, the lingering elements of what the Saints were Still, kind of in the the soccer ethos that exists in the city today.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's amazing that you know both of those gentlemen you mentioned they're working for the big soccer team in Cincinnati, and they got their start with the Saints. Although Pat Brennan covered the Saints, but yeah,
1: well, and, are- you know, and we also that that second uh, that second season we actually had. I was able to get Lindsay Patterson to come do sidelines for us, and now
0: she's the sideline person for FC Cincinnati. Doesn't she also do Bengal stuff, or am I dreaming that? Yeah, she I, she, she does Bengals stuff, too, um, for the Inquirer. Yeah, she does. She does a lot of stuff. It's amazing how much she covers in Cincinnati as well. But yeah, it's hard to keep track of of all the things that she does in the city. But at the same time, I I think I remember that year. That was probably the year I started with both Dayton and Cincinnati Dutch Lions. So, um, but yeah, I always admired what the Saints did, and I always thought the owner Dave Satterwhite was a good guy and a guy that wanted to see soccer grow in Cincinnati. So, I definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dave. Dave had, had, had definitely had the passion um, to make that happen. Um, yeah, obviously, he didn't have the resources that you know the Lindner family had, and mm-hmm. obviously, they just came in and uh, kind of took over the show. But you yeah, know, at the end of the day, you have you know kind of what what we were all what we were all chasing there, which is uh, soccer really mattering in the city, and it absolutely does now with uh, with FC Cincinnati.
0: Now let's talk about the move from Cincinnati to Dayton. What was that like?
1: So that was an interesting one. You know, it, when FC Cincinnati first got announced, we were all kind of like, okay, crap. What what you know, what does this mean for us? Like mm-hmm. how are we going to compete? You know, how we you know even from a you know, from an advertising standpoint, we're obviously not going to be able to spend at the levels that, you know, the lenders are going to be able to spend to put billboards everywhere and advertise I mean, we, we ran, we shot produced and made our own, uh, like 30 second ad that we ran a few times during Premier League matches, uh, on, on channel five.
0: I remember that, and, you know, that
1: was, and that was a big thing for us to pull that off. And now you have, uh, you know, this, new club coming into town that has this much bigger aspirations and and a lot deeper pockets to where they can put up a billboard, you know, on every street corner and run radio and television ads like crazy. And so it was just from that point, it was like, well, how are we going to compete with this? And so I didn't know what the plan was. And then Satterwhite called me up one day and he was like, Hey, so we are going to take the team up to date and uh, I think we're going to rebrand. We're probably going to rebrand uh, to the Dynamo since that was a name that already resonated, uh, resonated in, in the city, uh, especially with the soccer community. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it kind of worked out because at the time uh, I lived in Trenton, so I was like halfway between Cincinnati and Dayton. So that was an easy choice for me. Mm-hmm. Our head coach actually lived uh, in dayton that entire time and was driving all the way down to downtown Cincinnati like four days a week um, so he was on board so it was it came together a lot quicker than i thought we did and and you know obviously then we we go about settling on actually taking over that dynamo name and rebranding that and, and dj uh, actually was the one that that created the logo and everything and so so, the kind of, you know, it was cool to be with the Saints, you know, just in, in the regular sense of like getting to be a part of the soccer organization. But the move to Dayton was really cool because it was us getting to kind of really, you know, really have some hands on approaches to kind of the identity of the club and, and what, you know, the crest looked like. And then I'm, you know, sitting in on meetings where we're going over, you know, all these different design ideas and all of these different, uh, color concept ideas and jersey ideas and just seeing it all come together from from that ground floor was was really cool and really fun to be a part of.
0: Take me through the process of picking the Dynamo name. You mentioned DJ created the logo, which my magnet of the logo is still on the fridge. That's how much I liked it. But uh, take me through the process of rebranding from the Saints to the Dynamo.
1: Yeah, I think it was... The whole the the moment we said we're going to take the team to Dayton, that was one of the first things that anybody we talked to would mention. Like, oh, are you gonna like Are you gonna rebrand and be the Dynamo? You know, like, are you bringing back the Dynamo? Because the Dynamo had already existed in the eighties, and nineties mm-hmm. as this you know cult legend of uh, this indoor soccer team that played in the city back in the heydays of, of arena soccer and. So it, that was kind of always like that no-brainer move hanging out there. So then it was kind of going through the steps of like, okay, do we want to go straight for that? Do we want to have something that's more ours that we make from scratch? Um, and then you start throwing around the ideas and the names. And the problem is you, you and it's a problem that kind of permeates through soccer that there's just too many generic formulas to go with of like, oh, Dayton FC, Dayton United – Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and those just don't feel like they have, those just feel like, I mean, anybody could make that name up. Anybody could really come up with that. There's no thought in that. There's no intention in that. Um, you know, we, we felt like Gem City was a cool name to use, but it was also at the time, maybe a little bit overused. So we were like, maybe we won't do that. And at the end of the day, we were like, you know, the Dynamo name is, it, it, you know, it, it's historic in this city for soccer, and to bring it back for another generation of fans would just be too cool, and just too cool of an opportunity for us to skip out on. So obviously, then we had to kind of do the legwork of like, you know, who who technically owns the name, uh, who know who owns any of like the logos or images or any of that stuff, and and kind of had to go through that and find out all that stuff. And it ended up being that really not really anybody mm. had trademarked a lot of that stuff. And some of that stuff had laughed and so <laughs> we, just, we just went for it. And um, yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, that was kind of the big thing when we had our press conference of like, you know, we're announcing ourselves and that was like the big thing we were hiding. It's like the so will they or won't they? Will they take the dynamo name? Or will they come up with something different? And then getting to kind of be in the room and be the one unveiling it myself in that press conference of like, "Yeah, that's the name. Here it is. Here's the logo. We're the Dynamo." Um, that was that was a cool moment. That's that's probably one of the coolest uh, experiences I've had.
0: That was a really cool. Uh, media gathering too where the banner was just ripped off and you see the logo and the new jerseys and everything. That was really cool. I remember going to that at CJ. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you remember any of the names that were rejected uh, before the Dynamo was finalized?
1: Uh, You know, I, I don't think we ever really got that part on the road on any of the names. I know from a logo standpoint, we, we looked at a lot of logos that um, you know I mean if you look at the, the logo that we ended on uh, for people that don't know is basically you kind of your, your general badge shape soccer shape uh, there for uh, a logo of, you know Dayton and Dynamo kind of in this ring and then on the, in, the, uh, in the middle is basically uh, a propeller kind of just in full motion mm-hmm. with kind of just the, the you know lines coming off of it showing that it's, it's you know it's it, going and so that was kind of the big thing Is like what's that logo going to look like what's it going to incorporate you know are we going to lean more on you know the dynamo kind of tends to um pull from not just like an engineering and an, and an aviation history within the city but um you know more kind of just a, a general kind of aviation or uh, uh, engineering name so do we go with like gears do we go with And then we're like, no, no, we're not going to do that, which it's got to have, you know, it's got to have more of an aviation feel to it. Um, And then it was like, okay, should it be like a, a plane? Should it be a fighter jet? Should it be, you know, like the Wright Brothers plane? So then we were kind of going through all of that. And there was like a million, you know, mock-ups of that. And so that was kind of cool to be a part of. and, And finally... I think the, you know, I think there was a lot of like fighter jet kind of looking ones mm. that almost are reminiscent of what like the Winnipeg Jets ended up going with here in the last couple of years. Hmm. Um very similar look. Uh but yeah, we ended up going with uh, the logo we did with the uh propeller and uh DJ created that one and I I think it's I think it's a fantastic logo.
0: I do too. I just I just miss the team. But with you I do, yeah. It's. Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, just the way you know the second season, how incredible that was. Moving to Roger Glass Stadium near downtown Dayton, yeah. and the playoffs. and a winning team. Yeah, it just how impressive they were that season. I I don't believe they dropped a the home match. Wow. Yeah, you see, so you you
1: lucked out because the season before, <laughs> what I was doing play by play, they didn't do a thing. Uh, like I think we won. Oh, goodness. I think we maybe won, like, one home game. Yeah, I think... We had one home win, and then we had a draw against a really good team. We had a draw against Ann Arbor. That yeah, felt like a win. A penalty kick. But besides yeah. that... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides that, it was like... Man, there were some
1: painful games.
0: There was some painful broadcast. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that was a pretty tough season. And, you know, being at Welcome Stadium, it's, it's very large. But it was still cool yeah. to see the dynamo name like we mentioned return Mm. and that was my first year with the team as you know the internet audio voice so it was cool working with you and uh, mary warden and everyone and yeah it's it's, granted you know that one win that was tough but same time it's still really cool
1: yeah no it was awesome but yeah i think yeah the move to roger glass I, i kind of i i kind of hate the fact that i missed out on that because I, I i know it was such you know even when i was just seeing the designs for it that previous year i knew it was just gonna be such a better setup for us of just having a fan to be just right up against the pitch mm. um and it's just a good facility so i i missed that I, I didn't get to be a part of that
0: and plus of roger glass there's no track you're literally on top of the pitch so. yeah you're right there yeah it's it, i i love that setup now let's go back to your time with the Saints and Dynamo. What were some of your favorite players, your favorite matches, and just your favorite everything to call? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, so players. I mean, there's there's so many of them, and, and I
1: still know a lot of them. A lot of them play in in golf and soccer leagues. Uh, a few of them I I still consider uh, pretty good friends. I one of them actually lives uh, down the street from me, and we get together. Uh, so often for, for some bourbon and, and, you know, reminisce about old times. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, there's not, I don't know if I can pinpoint, you know, the best player I ever saw, obviously uh, at in Dayton, you know, by Kevin you know, this 37 year old guy from uh was, that? I believe he's from Senegal. Yep. You know, he, he, he's, he's an older guy. He had to play more of like a, a sit back and defend kind of role, but my goodness, that guy had still had just skill and technique and touch on that ball. That was like nothing I had ever seen before. And, and, and I don't think anybody else at that NPSL, NPSL level had seen that. Like, I mean, he, this is a guy that had played in the champions league in Europe against Liverpool and stuff like that. And here he is, you know, at, at, at welcome stadium, uh, still with the same, just smooth action out on the pitch. And that, so just from like getting to watch somebody, that was pretty cool. That was pretty special. Um, but yeah, I mean, luckily most of the guys that played on the teams, all the way from the 2014 Saints all the way to uh, you know the, the 2016 Dynamo, I, I I I've still kept in touch with most of them. Um, cool moments, you know the the first it was the second broadcast actually the second broadcast mm. uh, playing. Uh, against Detroit and mm. all their fans showing up and it being a really close match. And Detroit was a really good team and the, the States were, were not, you know, favored to really do much that year. And, um, ended up, ended up losing that game on the last second goal. Mm. But just the energy on that one was so cool. And it, it was just, it was just a really cool atmosphere. I, I still kick myself that I didn't get to, uh, pull off a broadcast in Detroit and go up there and see all those fans and, and see their supporters, um, just in full voice. Uh, you know, they, they packed that thing out, uh, with several thousand people, which at, at that level, um, is pretty incredible. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are my, of my favorite memories. There's goofy memories. So one time we went actually myself and, uh, Charlie who now works with FC Cincinnati. We went on a road trip with the team, and we went to. They were playing. I believe they were called the Twin Minnesota Twin Stars. Yeah, that, and played played out in like suburban Minneapolis. <laughs> and so we drove. We drove all the way there, which is already that. That's a that's a long way to drive. That's a um, bit of a hike. Luckily, my parents uh, lived in Milwaukee at the time, so we were able to kind of just uh, have a nice little pit stop there and, and stay there for the night, and then continue driving the next morning. But um, so we get up there and I'm pulling up on my phone, like the address on the website and the address on the website was like, I, they had it now wrong. So it was actually like their mailing address, which was actually just somebody's house. Um, so then I'm calling this person and like, she's trying to give me directions and she's giving directions to me as if I already live in Minneapolis and know where everything is and she's like yeah just go up to the you know just go up to the hardys and turn a left and i'm like ah, where's the what like can you just t-? and then we get there like i'm just fighting with her on the phone for like 20 minutes like can you just give me an address and she's like no i'll just, I'll just guide you in i'm like just give me an address
2: <laughs> and she's
1: like yeah hey, just hang left here to the park just go past that we end up getting to like the, they play at a high like most npsl teams they play at a high school Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, the first thought is like, why didn't she just tell me the name of the high school? I should have just look that up. Like, why did she make that so hard?
0: <laughs> well, you were supposed to play at that house. Didn't you get the memo? I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently. So we get there. Uh, you know, we, we get there. There was 11, 11 players for the, for the state. And this, I don't you know. I, the Saints didn't same thing exists. So no one's going to get in trouble from this, But, mm. um, We had a couple players that couldn't make it up, and which is always tough at the NPS level. NPSL level, the travel—you know—most of these guys have full-time jobs. With the a lot of these guys even have families, um, they just got stuff going on. So it was always hard to get a full roster for a travel game, especially a travel game where it's like, "Hey, we're going." I think it was they're playing the Twin Stars in Minneapolis on a Saturday. And then that Sunday, they were going to drive down to play the team in Madison mm. um, on their way back. So, and that's generally how you did away trips. You would do two at once. So you would play somebody on like a Friday, and then on your way back, you'd play somebody else on a Saturday. Um, so it was just always hard. It was always hard to get a lot of people to show up. And so <laughs> they had exactly 11 players. But that's only because... Uh, the goalkeeper for that match, his buddy, uh, his buddy who played with him, one of his teammates at UD, lived in Minneapolis and just came and showed up. And we gave they we gave him a, a player card for a different for just some guy on our team. <laughs> and we're like, hey, you're this guy today. Uh, if the ref or anybody asks, and then. Uh, Jamie Starr, who was actually the coach, was supposed to be the coach for that game because our head coach couldn't make it up there. Jamie Starr, who went, went on to uh, be the keeper coach for FC Cincinnati for uh, a season or two, mm-hmm. he, he goes up there and it ends up being that they have so few players that he ends up using uh, a play, his own player card and actually has to be a player instead of, so there was no coach for the game. Oof. Um, they, he had to actually play, and I think he actually had to play like a defender position. He's a goalkeeper by trade, um, and and we ended up winning the match, uh, which is the best part about it. Wow,
0: I mean, with all you just said, that's that's pretty crazy.
1: <laughs> but I remember walking up there, talking to them. I was like, "Hey, who's that guy?" And they're like, "Oh, that's uh, I forgot who they named." And I was like, No, that? What are you talking about?" And they go, "Well, today he is. According to everyone, uh, that's his name today." I was like, Oh, okay. Gotcha. Copy that. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting trip. Uh, that was actually also one of the few games that, uh, Luke Spencer played for the saints who he went on to, uh, play for, uh, Cincinnati. And then I went and moved on to Louisville where he actually helped them, uh, score the winning goal to win the USL cup a couple years ago, um, over, over Phoenix. So, and he was, he was along for that wild ride, too, so he, he had that fun up in Minneapolis. Uh, so, yeah, there's just goofy stories like that um, when you work in NPSL, because as much as you try to have good organization, as much as you try to have, like, everybody on the same page and everybody show up, it's, there's a lot of times you're just kind of just uh, winging it and happen to pull, pull some, some stuff together at the last minute to, to get the show to happen.
0: Stuff happens, so uh, that's that's a really good story. I, I thank you for sharing that. Um, can you tell uh, me that's me, one of my favorite ones. Can you tell me another one of your favorite stories? Um yeah, I'm trying to think. There was there was a game I wanna say oh okay,
1: so I you were here for you were there for this one. This was the year that you I believe were were helping out with the Saints. We're at um it? What Wal-
0: Walnut Hills High School, I think it is. We're there. I don't. I don't think I ever helped out with the Saints in Cincinnati. I was just the two years at the Dynamo.
1: Okay, for some reason I thought you were there helping, helping Don out with something or I don't
0: know. No, I I met on, um, yeah, Welcome Stadium year. So, uh, okay, all right. So that was next year. (laughs) Yeah, we had to do the
1: PA. uh, You know, the PA guy. It was a weird setup because Walnut Hill High School is super old, super cool looking, where basically the stadium and the seats are basically like built onto the side of the school, like a big concrete uh, step. And pretty cool setup, but not exactly conducive for broadcast. So they didn't really have a press box. It was actually like a hallway Mm. that was between, I think, like a cafeteria and a gymnasium. Mm. And like that was the hallway that also had like that's where you set up, like, the, they'd have the mold box and everything to, like, set up, like, mics and all that stuff for the PA. And so Don would have to do the PA from there. Hmm. We, on nice days, would do the play-by-play from under a tent just on the concourse, just basically just under him.
2: Hmm.
1: And so what would always happen is that the person that was doing the uh, national anthem, would basically be standing right by us the whole time. And the national anthem is always a weird one for broadcast because, like, you you know, you don't want dead air, but also you not you don't want to be talking during the anthem. So that's always a weird one. You generally broadcast, you try to time it out to where you're at a commercial break when that happens because it's kind of hard to just air it um, and just have just, just dead air kind of for that whole period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, maybe you're breathing too heavy and your mic's still on. So that sounds weird too. Um, so you try to avoid it. doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And this particular day, not only did it not happen, but really one of the worst like scenarios in my head of like awkward moments could happen where we had this young, like middle school age girl who was going to do the national anthem. Mm-hmm. And so like, we're, we're live. We're rolling. She's, Going to do the National Anthem, and she again, she's standing, like, at, like two feet away from me. Like, that's how close she was, because the mic, Don actually had to take the mic and just, like, hang it out the window and hand it to her. And then she's <laughs> standing on the concourse right next to us, and she's doing the anthem. And wow. she got, like, one or two bars into the song and just froze. Oh. And I'm just sitting there like, uh... And I turn around, and I'm like, I turn around, but I don't want to like be like too panicky and turn around like, oh, I'm gonna stare at you now from a minute from you know from a foot away, uh, and you're not doing this thing, and every, everybody's looking at you, and you were having an absolute panic attack. So like, we didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know what to do. Like we're yeah, I didn't know what to do. Mm. Uh, Don didn't know what to do. Like does Don start like yanking on that mic cord and like yank it out of her hands and pull it back up into the window? Like <laughs> what do we do? And I'm like. It probably only lasted like maybe five seconds. Mm-hmm. It felt like twenty minutes of you're just everyone just panicked, like, "Oh no, we mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Are we just all going to stand here and watch this girl have like this whole like just meltdown in front of us and freak out?" Mm-hmm. And I think like after like a couple seconds, the supporters group just started singing the the rest of the anthem mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: because oh, it was played with a track, so there was like the actual like music track. And then this girl was going to sing over it. Ah, so and like she car- just froze like karaoke. So the song's continuing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So the song, like the instrumental is still continuing. Mm. And then at some point, like the crowd just kind of took over. And then this girl's having this whole meltdown and she's not, she doesn't leave the area. So then like her mom's consoling her and I, yeah, you feel bad for her, her mom's consoling her. all these people like consoling her but then like the anthem ends and like we had to start the broadcast and there's this like 12 year old girl just sobbing loudly, mm. like a foot away from me as I'm like, Hey, welcome in to, you know, mm. from uh, you know, a beautiful day here in Cincinnati. You can hear the girl just sobbing right behind me. Uh, and it was, I could hear it in my headset. It was clearly going out over the air. Like this whole this whole conversation that's happening with their mom. We were all like, "Oh, it's okay. Come back another time." <laughs> and that was, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll get stuff where there is kind of stuff being said into your ear, your earpiece. Or there's just feedback or there's something, and you just have to just keep like you just have to focus in and keep going. Yeah. And that was probably one of the hardest ones for me.
0: Yeah, that's tough. I, I that I, that is a tough thing to do. Um, now. Loveland Tigers football is supposed to go Walnut Hills and if everything you know is played right I'm supposed to be broadcasting with them again uh, how similar is Walnut Hills to withrow because withrow sounds really similar to that and I enjoyed my stop there we were outside and we had a extension cord uh, thrown at us from uh, one of the stories up high yeah I think it's the same thing I think it's actually you know I, you know, I, I actually I think we might be talking about
1: withrow Okay. And not Hill. I don't know. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah, I, I think that's the high school we're talking about.
0: I like I like Angus King, Angus King Stadium, and yeah, I mean with the track around you, the action's a little farther it's, away.
1: But... Yeah, it's it's a, it's a cool venue in general, but mm-hmm. again, like yeah, anytime you're talking about the track there, I think it it takes away from that soccer feel of like being like right next to the pitch.
0: But the classic feel, like it feels like a university right there that's
2: you know yeah no it, it,
1: i mean it looks like uh it looks like a high school stadium straight out of like uh like a movie or something like that where you have these big you know it's in the whole place looks like a university there's a big brick uh concrete steps going all the way up on the side of the building so yeah yeah you're right it was Whistler, not not wall Street
0: that was actually my first game uh for loveland tigers football and we were sitting behind some of the loveland fans like are they broadcasting no i just wanted to bring my headset my gear and just talk into it today you know (laughs) i figured that'd be fun but (laughs) no i didn't say that 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 wouldn't be nice of me but yeah uh, so i i like with throw and can we also talk about real quick how the Saints played at Stargell Stadium for a bit, and now the site of the original Stargell is going to be the home of the West End Stadium where FC Cincinnati is going to play next year?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, part of uh, David Satellite's vision, I mean, he knew that that was, that was the perfect location to play soccer in a downtown setting where you're really close to the Over the Rhine District, so you know, there's all the, the bars there and, and restaurants. Um, it's It's where a lot of the younger crowd is, is moving to right around there. So, yeah, I mean, he, he nailed it. He nailed that spot, you know, back in 2014.
0: Do you know if Stargell's uh, second stadium's open yet?
1: Uh, it is. Oh, it is open. Okay. Cause, it, uh, so they, I think they, they were supposed to open at the beginning of the last uh, football season and ended up having to open, like, maybe a month late. Yeah. Because I... things weren't done on time.
0: I think Taft was supposed to have the first football game there, and I, you know, I never read if they did open it up or not. But it's just,
1: yeah, no, they yeah, so they were supposed to have that first one of the season to kind of open it. and They ended up having to have it like somewhere else.
0: I remember that, and I was like, mm, that's tough. But at least they did get Stargel 2 opened up. And sticking with soccer, what exactly is Gotham Soccer?
1: So Gotham Soccer, uh, we run adult rec soccer league primarily short side 77 soccer leagues for adults Mm. all across the u.s so we started out in new york back in 06 um grew to cincinnati uh around 2014 and then we've now uh moved into dayton we play in we have leagues in dayton um we actually actually play at chaminade julian is where we have our monday league and then actually Whenever we do start up for the year, uh, we'll actually be also starting uh, leagues at Carroll High School, because they just got a brand new turf field. Yes, they did. Um, So we'll be playing there, uh, and then we're up in Columbus, we're over in Indianapolis, we're down in Louisville, and we're out in Arizona.
0: So you're a commissioner. What's your role?
1: So I run basically all the operations for Cincinnati, Dayton, and Louisville. So I'm in charge of Recruiting the teams, you know, getting the teams to sign up, getting people to sign up, getting returning teams to commit for the next season, mm-hmm. uh, hiring all the refs, uh, getting all the permits for the field, building out all the schedules, and running. We do three outdoor sessions: so spring, summer, fall, and then we do some small football leagues in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but so basically, doing running all those operations for three different cities,
0: and how can people that are interested in playing soccer, you know, reach out and try out for Gotham? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, it's a, it's a rec league. We take um, whoever wants to play. Uh, you just sign up and you, you pay the player fee or you, you sign up your team and, and play the, pay the team fee. And you can just go to GothamSoccer.com and then pick on which city you live in. So if you want to play in Dayton or Cincinnati or, or somewhere else, uh, you just go from there and you just register and then we get you set up and i'll be in contact with you and we'll get get you rolling and get you out there to play uh, play some soccer
0: and how long has gotham soccer been a thing
1: uh so since 2006 was when we started in new york but the, the actual expansion that got us out here into the midwest started uh, around 2014 i see and how long have you been commissioner uh, I started in 2017. So it was actually right after the 26th you know, right going into the 2017 uh, NPSL season that I had to, that I took the job. So I had to step away from that.
0: Okay. Is there any fields in Cincinnati or Dayton that you'd like Gotham soccer to reach out to? You mentioned CJ and Carol up here, but is there any fields that, you have on like your wish list
1: um i mean yeah there's always like you know more fields that we'd like to do um you know in cincinnati we're actually spread out pretty good we got we got a field out on on the east side in anderson we play up in westchester we play at two different or actually technically three different places in kind of the more central cincinnati area uh you know we we would like to eventually get something maybe out on the west side of things maybe towards uh maybe towards like harrison or something like that
0: you know harrison's putting in that new turf field too and it looks really nice yeah now that'd be perfect i mean harrison i think taylor has a pretty nice field don't they yeah okay now let's uh talk about you and your broadcasting career again is there any other sports you want to try um,
1: not really. I, I, you know, I think I think the only other one that I think I would actually feel like comfortable ever doing, mm. just because I have, you know, I think you have to come from at least a little bit of knowledge when you go into a game and have a, an understanding of it. it would probably be like, like, it'd be super cool to to call like golf, golf, and just be out there or be in one of those little like uh high, uh, you know, booths there. Mm in one of those old towers, looking at all the monitors, looking down at, you know, one of the greens at calling in your, in your hush town, you know?
0: Actually on the Ohio hockey digest podcast, I was joking that I probably wouldn't be able to do golf just because my voice is just always like this. It's never calm. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I would have to
1: like, I, I would have to figure out what I would do when like something big happens and you want to get excited, but not like that excited. And I would probably just blow out the microphone.
0: Yeah, I feel like I could do the calm voice for a little bit, but then there's a long drive. Like, wow, did you see that drive? <laughs> we gotta get this broadcaster out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely think that that would be
1: probably the hardest part about it, especially like if you're one of the, you know, some of the guys that actually have with packs and everything are out on the course with the players and they're, you know, chiming in on the broadcast and obviously like they're talking in a low tone because like they're actually like literally like feet away from the guy golfing. So like they can't be loud, but that would be the hardest part to like restrain yourself.
0: Absolutely. Now, Jeremy, what's some of your favorite things about sports in Cincinnati in the Dayton area?
1: Um, you, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I it's weird because I not growing up here originally. Like, S D Cincinnati is actually the first professional team in this area that I've actually like considered myself a fan of. Like, obviously, I'm not uh, a Bengals fan or Reds fan. Um, you know, I, I didn't. You know, I went to Wright State, so I'm not a UC fan or a Xavier fan down here in Cincinnati. Mm. Um, you know, so it. it if you talk about, like, what I enjoy, it's it's FC Cincinnati. And the other thing that's, like, super cool about this area that I think not a lot of people get mm-hmm. um, is that, like, high school football is such a big deal in, oh, this, in this area. I mean, um, which, you know, I, I think sometimes living in kind of this southwest Ohio bubble, mm-hmm. you forget that, like, it's not that way everywhere else. Like, yeah, in the South. and like, yeah, in Texas. And, like, that makes sense, and we already know about that. But, like, mm. the, yeah, the rest of the Midwest has kind of hit or miss. Whereas, like, anywhere you go in Ohio, high, uh, high school football is so big and means so much. So I would say that that's definitely another one. And then uh, one thing I always mention when people tell me about the sports scene in the city mm. is I say that the most, the coolest event, and it's an event that I have actually got to cover for, hot hand covered it's like five or six years straight, is there's actually like a massive global tennis tournament that's right in the area every year. Uh the Western and Southern Open out in Mason, Ohio, which is like northern suburbs of Cincinnati. And it's because of where it sits in the calendar, it's it's always two weeks before the US Open.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And because of that, everybody, every big name in the or in the in the tennis world Shows up and plays, and so you can go and and pay actually, honestly, reasonable prices mm. to go to this tennis event and see some of the biggest sports stars on the planet.
0: It's it's crazy to think that one of the oldest major tennis circuits are here in Cincinnati. Yeah, and I, yeah. I remember the one year I got to cover it, and it was a lot of fun. I mean. I had to learn a lot about tennis on the fly, but at the same time, is it's great action. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: it's, it's you know, it tennis is something I always you know paid a little bit of attention to, and found it a little bit interesting. And then you go and like, if you like, seeing tennis live is a different thing than watching it on TV. It's it's a definitely a in-person sport. Mm. And uh, yeah, and so I learned that from doing that, and just the opportunities to. Talk to and meet some you know the biggest athletes on the planet, and apparently they all hang out at like the uh, Applebee's, like right over by it. <laughs> so you just go head park it at the Applebee's and see like you know Andy Murray there just you know getting a Cobb salad or whatever.
0: Worldwide reach and they choose Applebee's <laughs> <laughs> at the Applebee's. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. I guess but... I guess like it, I guess what happens is like
1: there is like the preferred hotel that they put players in and like it share the parking lot with an applebee's so these guys are like all right i'll just go check this place out and not know not knowing that it's applebee's and that it's probably you know not i mean it's fine or whatever but like there's probably better places in the area to go to but they just kind of they can just walk from the room over to the applebee's and back and not have to worry about running into anybody and so you know, you can go there and robbing it dolls, getting the you know two for two entree thing, and you
0: know just living
1: it up at Applebee's in Mason, Ohio.
0: It it still makes me laugh about that, but that's that's very uh, that's that's probably why, and that's a shame because yeah. there's probably some great restaurants in Mason, and oh yeah, that, Mason's uh, not lacking in restaurants. Oh no, it's uh, what a great suburb it is, and they. As long as well as the tennis center, they also have a very nice baseball field in Prasco Park and the people that own it, you know, they don't collect, you know, concessions. They don't collect parking. They don't, you can play there for free basically. And yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny though, because doing the
1: tournament for all those years, I would run into these, I would be chatting in the press uh, box with all of these media people from all over the world. Mm. and they would kind of talk about it like oh there's not you know, it's kind of not really a whole lot to do I was like well yeah you're in the sub like, you understand this isn't Cincinnati you're in the suburbs like yeah. if you want like nightlife you need to go get on that highway right there and drive downtown Like, you're- this is the suburb. this is where people just live and go to school and raise families isn't that where people hang out and have like a lot of fun and a big nightlife
0: basically but at the same time how cool is it that Cincinnati has that
1: it, it, it's, it's one of the things like i i don't understand because you'll talk to people and i'll mention it and it's very rare that someone will be like oh yeah i go to that or i'll check that out like they be like oh yeah i've heard about that i've never gone to like you ever like it's right there you're missing out
0: like it's a, such a good
1: experience and it's such a big deal and it's right there
0: now my next question is what would you like to see in the future of the area sports or media scene
1: um, well, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, I, it would be cool to get ourselves back in a position where, you know, local sports talk is, is something that happens all day long instead of just during, you know, PM drive. Uh, that would be cool to happen. You know, have more more kind of uh, brands and outlets as far as, uh, you know, sports media that are local to this area that are thriving and, and that people rely on. Cause I think that is something that most big cities have. And so far, you know, just haven't been around for a while. Um, so I, I'd say part of that. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're in a pretty good place. I mean, my, my bucket list item was always a professional soccer team. So I, I guess I'm good now. I guess I'm, I guess I'm out of things. I've reached the mountaintop.
0: <laughs> now, for those that are interested in becoming a broadcaster or joining the sports field, what advice can you give?
1: Um, you know, I, I think the, the biggest advice is just, you know, you got to keep pursuing it. You got to keep going for it. Um, but you know, there, I think a lot of there's a new way that just kind of everything's calibrated
2: mm.
1: where you can do things without having to so like, I had to have, I had to find a way to get a foot in the door at a radio station. And then once in that radio station, a foot in the door, as far as getting myself on the air. Mm. But nowadays, you know, with podcasts, with blogs, with YouTube channels, it's so easy for anybody to do it. Like the barrier of entry of trying it out doesn't exist anymore. So I think you just if you want to do it, you got to do it, you know. Spend that $50 on a microphone. Spend that, you know, a little bit of money on, you know, if you want to do videos on some kind of editing software, you go for it because that's... That still might cost some money, but it's still way easier than some of the hoops that people, you know, back when when we were starting out and, and people before us had to jump through just to get, like, just a little bit, just to get, like, even just a touch of airtime. And now you can just create it yourself. So do it. Just create it.
0: Isn't the, isn't the internet wonderful for that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you can... You know, my, I don't, my kids watch all these YouTube channels and it's just these kids like opening up toys and these kids make millions of dollars through this. And it's like this, there's no talent in this, but you can do it and you can still make money. And that's awesome.
0: You know, the, You know he has his own brand of toys. Oh yeah. We bought them. They're garbage. <laughs> I, I, I'm very familiar with that too. Cause my, uh, my stepdaughters do that as well. And it's like, yeah. What, you have all these toys here no yeah open it yourself and play with it you why watch someone else do it <laughs> uh, Jeremy, last uh, last up how can people follow your work and you on social media um so uh wrong side of the pond uh,
1: is wrong side of pond that's our Twitter handle mm-hmm. um, obviously then just you know, whatever podcast app you use you can find wrong side of the pond on there to follow our podcast which we've been uh, keeping up with, normally we take most of the summer off, mm-hmm. uh, but we've been keeping up with it just because I think we're all locked in our houses and need something to do, so we're, yeah. we've yeah, we just been doing stuff every week. Um, and then I'm just at Jeremy Lance. I got in early on Twitter, so it's just my name.
0: Very cool. Jeremy, thanks for your time today. It's been a lot of fun catching up, and... Let's hope we have sports soon. Oh, great! I need
1: it. There's golf on right now. I'm watching some golf right now as we speak. I mean, finally back.
0: There is there is soccer. I mean, FC Cincinnati is going to go to Orlando, but yeah, yeah,
1: because that's where everyone wants to go in the middle of summer. Is yeah. Orlando, Florida? But Mickey Mouse where it's is a there. A thousand degrees.
0: Mickey Mouse is there, and Shaquille O'Neal with the Magic and everything. Yeah, yeah. and 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 heat stroke. Heat stroke <laughs> is also there. Yeah, it's up here, too. Let's let's yeah, it's not just in Florida, but that's true. It's everywhere. Jeremy, thank you for your time today. And definitely, folks, give Wrong Side of the Pond a listen. You will love that podcast if you're a big soccer fan. And that wraps up episode 160 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Talk to you again for episode 161. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the slash podcasts. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and hosts on Twitter at the theleewmowen, and at Sunday pod like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast and download the free flick chat app. Then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowins mailbag questions. The closing theme is lights go down by Dan Hennig provided by the YouTube music library collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, And I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.